Welcome to the Sabbath School Rescue Podcast with your host, Buster Swoops and Michael Campbell. This week, in preparation for Sabbath February 6th, we look at Lesson 6, Playing God. Join us as we look at Isaiah chapter 13 and 14 and see the impending judgment not only upon Israel, but upon our world today. The Sabbath School Rescue Podcast is hosted by Michael Campbell and Buster Swoops at Southwestern Adventist University. We love learning and sharing God's Word, and together we have 18 years of pastoral experience, and now we have the privilege to dig deeper into this study. Okay, here we are. Um, Lesson 6, Playing God. And our memory text, New King James Version, comes from Isaiah chapter 25, verse 9. It says, Behold, this is our God. We have awaited for him, and he will save us. This is the Lord. We have, aw- we have waited for him. He will be glad and rejoice. Uh, we, will, we will be glad and rejoice in his salvation. Uh, you know, as, as, as we're going through this, and I know this is jumping a little bit forward to Isaiah 25, but we're, we'll see the, the notion uh, that's playing out of playing God and also the results of, of it, right? Absolutely. Yeah, this is, uh, you know, this is one of those chapters that doesn't have a lot of warm fuzzies in it. <laughs> no, it does not. <laughs> it, uh, it's, a, it's a message of, uh, a cautionary message, I guess, is the word I'm looking, or term I'm looking for. Yeah, you know, I think Sunday's lesson starts off with that doom on the nations. Uh, yeah, thanks a lot, Buster. <laughs> <laughs> Lead us away, Michael. <laughs> All right. Chapter 13, verse 1, and... Uh, It says, Isaiah, the son of Amos, received this message concerning the destruction of Babylon. So there you go, uh, right at the beginning of this whole uh, kind of section. Mm -hmm. If you divide Isaiah up into different sections, this kind of is a, you see a continuity of thought and ideas. And this kind of begins and it it just sets the stage and says, hey, Babylon, you're going to be destroyed. And so it's kind of a warning, and uh, and we have a description not only for Babylon, but for the other nations that kind of support the Babylonian Empire. So it's part of a like a system uh, of of oppression, and those who, at least in this instance, are ultimately threatening God's people. Yeah, you know, uh, uh, Michael, this warning that we can actually see now. Once mm-hmm. again, we have hindsight, but it right. actually came to fruition as well. Yeah, right? yeah. So at least the word of God can actually be trusted. Yeah. Was there anything else in here, Michael? You want I, to... I think that's the most important thing. I mean, you can read through chapter 13 and yep. it kind of goes through all of the message of judgment. Uh, but really, that's kind of a nice segue, actually, I think, till Monday's lesson, which gets to the heart of it with uh, Babylon. Tell us about Babylon, Buster. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, this this is actually expediting the process, right? So yeah. talking about the late great city of Babylon. Mercy. is asking, how does Babylon finally end? And yeah. Maybe you remember this uh, this uh, the story as a childhood probably story, but it's an actual true story. Belshazzar, uh-huh. uh, you know, who's, yeah. who's there and he profanes the holy yeah. things of God and yeah. he sees the writing on the wall uh-huh. and then Daniel comes in and tells him, man, your your king's going to be overtaken as a result of you defiling defiling the things of God. We find that the Medes came in and Mm -hmm. they actually overtook. And we find that Cyrus actually came into power. We see that there in Daniel chapter 5. And so once again, what God says will happen is Mm -hmm. going to happen. Uh, And so we see the great city of Babylon fall as God said it was going to fall. 
Uh, you know, I, I would love to bring out more in here, but I, I just... Yeah. It's pretty straightforward, isn't it? It I is. Mean, it, <laughs> it happened. It, it was destroyed. And uh, by the way, one little interesting detail is they've done some archaeological evidence now that yes. surfaced that kind of shows... Because people are kind of wondering who's this Nebopolisar and uh, all of this stuff. And and that uh, now they have documents showing that he was kind of in charge while his dad was off fighting uh, in war and this sort of thing. So, oh, so the okay. chronology kind of lines up. So there's some interesting... I'm not an archaeologist, but um, I know enough that... I've been following along some of the the research that's been uh, discovered uh, the last couple of decades. So we actually have some uh, strong confirmation that kind of now makes sense of the biblical. Um, and I, I find this interesting. This is what I love, you know, talking to those people that are archaeologists in Old Testament that, uh, you know, sometimes we don't always know or have all the answers. But with time and more discoveries, we eventually find uh, that God's word is true. Amen. Yeah. You, you know, there, there's one thing that uh, the author brings on this lesson I want to bring out. It says, mm-hmm. imagine living in Babylon, its height and its glory. Mm. And, I, and then you hear uh, Isaiah chapter yeah. 13, verse 19, which says in Babylon, yeah. the glory of kingdoms, the beauty of the Chaldeans pride mm. will be will be as when God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. Mm-hmm. says, how foolish do you think that that, that that sounded to them? And then what prophecies to us sound sometimes foolish? And I would say to us, I mean, the world oh, total, uh, even in the Christian world, there are people who are now saying it's impossible for Christ to actually come back and for every eye to see him. Yeah. It's impossible yeah. for the clouds to be rolled back as a scroll. Uh, imagine how foolish it was sounded that the Messiah mm-hmm. was actually going to come. But yeah. what God said was going to happen happened and will happen in the future as well. Christ is coming back. Yeah, love it. And, and by the way, um, imagining going back, um, if, if any of our listeners have the chance, I know COVID and it kind of puts a little damper on travel, but if you get the chance, go to the see the Ishtar Gate, one of the gates mm. of actual Babylon in the Pergamon Museum in Berlin. It's worth the time. It's a, just a one of those uh, aha moments. And you see that and you realize just how beautiful and the splendor and what an amazing kingdom this was. It, was, it truly was yeah, a yeah. world-renowned, powerful kingdom at that time that uh, when Isaiah's prophesying, people would be like, no way. I yeah, can't. Yeah, that, just, there's no way they're going to fall. How? How is it? Yeah. So, um, yeah. So this is kind of an interesting little uh, segue. We have that archaeological evidence once again. So Yeah, no, yeah. I love that. So, Michael, tell us about uh, the fall of the mountain king. Okay. Uh, verses, uh, chapter 14, verses 12 through 14. Actually, a pretty famous passage of scripture that um, is often quoted. Um, and I'll talk about that. But let's read it first. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation. How are you fallen from heaven, O shining star, son of the morning? You have been thrown down to the earth, you who destroyed the nations of the world, for you said to yourself, I will ascend to heaven and set my throne above God's stars. I will preside on the mountain of the gods far away in the north, and I will climb to the highest heavens and be like the most high. Mm. So here we have kind of a description. It's referring obviously to to Babylon, the king of Babylon, the pride, the arrogance, uh, this sort of idea that... um, uh, uh, that that of control, all of these things together, um, and Isaiah is saying, "Hey, uh, the old adage, uh, Buster, uh, pride goes before a fall." Yes, it does. <laughs> <laughs> and so here we have it. And by the way, and this is where I think this is most often quoted because this also has sort of a 
uh, a kind of a dual meaning, we would say, you know, in, in scripture where it not only applies to the king of Babylon, but Babylon sp- symbolizes that spiritual power that stands against God. And so there's sort of a, a deeper application to this, uh, a deeper meaning in which we see that Babylon stands for those who are um, well, Lucifer, Satan, who, and so there's this sort of dual meaning here that's throughout this passage. And so we often, or most often hear this passage referring to the spiritual struggle that's going on between uh, God in heaven yes. and Lucifer or Satan. And so great controversy, um, right? this great controversy. And, and so that's where this passage, but the immediate application, the immediate context, of course, was the king, king of Babylon. Yeah. So I, th- I think that's kind of in a nutshell, um, Tell us a little bit, Buster, about um, what is Heaven's Gate? What's this all about? You know, this is once again a continue on with Isaiah 13 and 14. Mm-hmm. But it's talking about <coughs> Satan, the fallen star, yeah. Lucifer, right? Sure. Uh, and, and it's asking this question. It says, uh, basically, why does Babylon later refer to Rome mm-hmm. and to an evil power in the book of Revelation? Yeah. And we see here, uh, you said it earlier, the system that's in place, the spirit behind that system. Yeah has been Satan, right? And exactly. he's continuing on. And so it's it's a, a spiritual implications, mm-hmm. but also there these were not only spiritual places, they were physical places. Yeah. But the system set in place behind them was mm-hmm. the same. It was the, the enemy. It was uh, Satan. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, the authors bring that out, but most importantly points how the scripture brings that out. Yeah. Uh, so 1 Peter 5, 13 uh, refers to Rome as Babylon. And then, of course, you see there, I'm not going to go through all those texts there in the book of Revelation 14, 8, 16, 19, 17, 5. These are all referring to, once again, that Romish power that's actually Babylonian power mm-hmm. and the, the system that's actually set in place behind it, which is the enemy. Yeah. Well, uh, moving right along with uh, the final triumph of Zion on Thursday's lesson, it really kind of, uh, you know, we skip a bunch of chapters. It's basically a whole bunch of warnings against the different specific nations. And we end up in chapter 24. And uh, it asks the question, why does Isaiah's description of the desolation of the earth look like John's description of events connected with the thousand years or what we call the millennium that follows Christ's second coming? And that's described in Revelation chapter 20. Well, that's not hard to see. You just look at Isaiah chapter 24, these chapters right at the beginning, verse one, look, the Lord is about to destroy the earth and make it a vast wasteland. And then you just... Uh, read the rest of it, the great wines waste away and there is no new wine and there's uh, the all the sounds, just it's, it's a desolate, uh, terrible, terrible place. <laughs> Um, and, and basically what we've been talking about so far before this, um, that here's this amazing kingdom and um, it's going to be destroyed. And by the way, if you go over to Babylon, the ancient site, it's just a, it's a bunch, of, bunch of dirt. Now there's some archaeologists that are digging through <laughs> it and there's even uh, a, some small towns, but it's definitely not the center of the world like it used to be uh, millennia ago. And so this is kind of, I think this is really significant, important to uh, recognize this, that um, God's word is sure. God's word is true. Amen. Um, ultimately, Babylon was destroyed. And this dual application of the spiritual forces at work, Revelation 20, that ultimately we may think that nothing, that we're invincible here on this earth, but God says this world of sin and everything that's crazy going on it's going to end. Yeah, it is. Uh, you know, 
Uh, I'm very interested in this question asked there at the bottom of uh, Thursday's lesson, Michael. Mm -hmm. Does God really destroy the wicked? Ooh. Oh, that's a tough one. It is. (laughs) That's a tough one. That gets at the heart of so many different issues, and I think so many questions that people have about the Bible, Buster. Yeah, it's true. Um, What do you think? You know, <laughs> dig right in. Otherwise, I, I'll go. But I, you can go no, ahead. No, I, I love how Michael turns that back. I was like, man, Michael. All right, no, but you, you know, he does a, a the the lesson brings out a, yeah. does a really good job. Yeah, God warns and God explains and yes. God carry God, God carries through. Yeah, he does. Uh, I think immediately of Deuteronomy eight as a man chastens mm, his son, right? Yeah. So God uh-huh. chastens us. Yeah. Uh, so even as God makes a promise that, hey, yeah. if you're doing this, then this is going to happen. Mm-hmm. He has conditional promises. He has conditional blessings. Absolutely. And those conditions are, follow me and mm-hmm. I will bless you. If you don't, I won't, right? Yeah. But at the same time, we find that it still reigns on the just and the unjust. Yeah. And that the true meaning, we just looked at the millennium a little while ago. Yeah. The true meaning of the millennium is actually for us to look at the character of God and be able to say, you really are a just God. Yeah. Now, the accusation that Satan brings up is that God, you are not fair. God, mm-hmm. you're not just. God, you are, you're not love. Yeah. And at the end of the day, we're going to be able to look back and say, even in the midst of destruction of the wicked, mm-hmm. we still serve a very loving God. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Michael, you're going to chime in there. Well, I, I think 28 Isaiah 28 verse 21. It talks about, and this is in the lesson as well. It talks about God doing this strange work or this yes. strange deed. Yeah. And you know, just like a parent, no one. Uh, a loving father in heaven doesn't take delight in the torment or destruction of no. their children. No, no, no loving parent would, no. would, uh, no normal <laughs> yes. loving parent would. Let's say, I, I, I've I, never I just, met a parent who is smiling while, while executing punishment upon their child, whether it's grounding or a strong lecture. Yeah. You know, th- th- that process isn't fun, right? Yeah. yeah. But it's something Heartbreaking, that, in exactly, fact. Exactly. It yeah. is. It yeah. is. And so... Yeah, go ahead, Mike. And I just think if, if we really understand what I understand and see overall, the, the overall scriptures that God is a loving God, a loving Father in heaven, and we get that picture uh, and understand it, and then we realize that, yeah, there has to be an end to sin. Yes, there has to be accountability. And so finally, yes. when that does have to happen and there will be a destruction or an end to sin, and those who choose to cling to sin, mm. um, God's left with no other choice. Yeah. Uh, but thank God that we have a loving and patient God. And right now we have that opportunity. He's extended that time to, so that we and those who are willing um, can can change and turn around. So, yeah, yeah, And I'm glad you mentioned that because yeah. time is being extended. As, it is. As long as there is conviction in your heart, there's time to repent. There's yeah. time to turn back. Time of mercy yes, and grace. Right? Yeah. But uh, even grace as a time element mm. runs out. Yeah, right. there is uh, accountability, mm-hmm. and and the Bible teaches that there will be that time. So if we understand that, it should kind of awaken us with a new hope, and hopefully a desire to say, "Hey, God, I I want to follow you in my life. I need Amen. to make that decision. Urgency, urgency, right? urgency. I need to make that decision today, right, right now." Amen. Yeah. Amen. Well, Michael, I think that I think that's the end of this lesson. All right. So this is Sue and Swoops signing, signing out. out. As we put a wrap on this week's lesson, this is Campbell Swoops signing off. By the way, we want to give a shout out to our sponsors, the Southwestern Union of Seventh-day Adventists and Southwestern Adventist University, which has for over 125 years provided a Christ-centered education just 20 minutes south of Fort Worth, Texas. We love teaching with personal colleagues, offer quality academics, and provide numerous ways to get involved both on campus and across the globe. 
To learn more, visit swahu.edu or check us out on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Also, be sure to join us again next week as we continue to explore God's Word. You can make sure not to miss an episode by joining us at sabbathschoolrescue.org.